ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, lax rats alike, welcome back to another episode of The Crease Dive. Today is Memorial Day Monday, and the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, for the first time in program history, are your 2023 national champions of the world. We just wrapped up an incredible week at Championship Weekend down at Lincoln Financial Field. Uh, and I'll tell you what, what an incredible weekend for, for you Dukes. Uh, big, big time weekend for you. Uh, you officiate your sister's wedding. You get uh, Derek White at, at the buzzer to to uh, push for a game seven in the Celtics series. And we're recording this right now, right before Celtics game seven. And your Notre Dame Fighting Irish are national champs. So big, big 72 hours for you. Uh, I mean, obviously, this is this is what it's all about right here. Massive weekend for Notre Dame. Big weekend for Salisbury, Lenore Ryan, uh, Northwestern on the girls' end. But most importantly, massive weekend for Brother Dukes. And the fact that Dayton won a national title in the club lacrosse. Everything's coming up, Dukes. Like, I'm starting to talk myself into like Dayton potentially winning the national championship next year in basketball. But yeah, uh, when you're listening to this, the Celtics just completed a, a 3 0 comeback. Um, they covered the seven and a half point spread, and uh, Dukes is living his best life. But yeah, give it up. Give it up for, for Notre Dame. I mean, was that the best Final Four just in general? I know because I, I wasn't on the episode with Dan last time, but we. we that was the best Final Four, I think, of my lifetime. I, I was trying to think of a year that could compete with it. Every single game, but the first two went to overtime. This was had the comeback. It had the storyline. Um, what just what a, what what a weekend for lacrosse in general. Yeah, like there there have certainly been better championship games. Um, you know, and, and these two teams have provided some of those better championship yeah. games. But yeah, on, on a whole, uh, I mean, the first two days of the tournament were incredible. Uh, I mean, back to back overtime games, obviously the one, uh, a lot of controversy in, in that one, which, listen, I feel awful for Penn State. I feel so bad for those seniors who their career ends with with that goal. At the end of the day, the controversy, as far as like content Right. As far as what we do here. Right. Right. It, it, it was it was pure Darren Ravel. Like, I feel terrible for Penn State, but it was tremendous content. This is, this is tremendous content. And like the fact that we had that in a Final Four setting where a team like Duke goes to the 75th championship game and it's school like Penn State doesn't get to the championship. Like and there's that controversial moment. Like, yes, it sucks. But now there's more dialogue for the sport. There's controversy in the sport. And yeah, I. Personally, I don't give a fuck. Like, controversy is good. Dialogue is good. And unfortunately, Penn State was on the wrong side of this, and that sucks. But overall, it was a great weekend for for the sport. And uh, I thought Tambroni handled it very well. I also thought Donowski handled it well. Donowski saying like, like, uh, yeah, like, do you, do you think we should have reviews? And he's like, yeah, but not today. Like, that, not today. That was so awesome. Um, but yeah, ball don't lie. Ball don't lie. Duke and. Yeah, your your point about the championship game. Just go we'll delve into this. I guess we'll just talk about this because I'm getting my the days mixed up with the final four. But on the championship game, that was one of the most physical games I've ever watched. So yeah, when it wasn't like the fact that it had to come back, it was physical. There were big hits. Um, you had Brendan O'Neill shut down in the first half because of great defense. Brendan O'Neill coming alive a little bit in the second half, just that Duke offense to get the second half going. Um, and then Notre Dame just. <clears throat> 
with about four minutes to go, kind of pulled away. Um, and I mean, if I, I have been wrong about Notre Dame a lot. I've been wrong about a lot in this podcast, Jordy. I have never felt so vindicated in my life in the lacrosse world than Liam Entman showing up today and putting his nuts out for the world. Nuts out. I mean, the best, the best college goalie I have ever seen. Ever. I, 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 no, there's, the argument's over. I, I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, this was a performance of a lifetime uh, and, and not necessarily like a performance of a lifetime. Like this is a performance that Liam Mentiman has like all the time. Um, but the fact that, you know, he was able to deliver on this stage, 18 saves on the day uh, and like each save just felt a little bigger than the last, probably because it was like, I mean, just uh, I, I mean, what a performance out of Liam Mentiman and, yeah, I mean, what a performance out of that that defense as a whole. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit more. Like, I thought the Dukes defense also played great. Like, uh, you know, just so physical, so dominant. Uh, you know, most of that first half, they were playing great defense. They Now, they ended up going into halftime with a score of 6-1. to one, But that's because, like, a lot of those goals came off of broken plays and just because Notre Dame was able to get the ground, uh, the the ball off the ground and then put it in the back of the net. But, like, Duke's defense was playing incredible. But Notre Dame's defense, yeah, shout out to Chris Fake. I mean, there have been plenty of times where I've gone back and forth on how I feel about Chris Fake. Um, You know, I wasn't keen about him against, you know, Shelly in the first, in, in the regular season. But when he goes up against, you know, and I think that Brennan O'Neill is just a different matchup for him. I think that, you know, Shelly is less physical. He's not going to try to kind of get himself into you and then get through you to get to the net. He's more just dissecting everything else around you. So I think, you know, when when it comes to guarding a guy like a Brennan O'Neill, who's going to try to bully you. Yeah. I thought that Chris fake proved, you know, why he's one of the best uh, at, at that position for it. So, yeah, I mean, between, Shutting down, you know, Brennan O'Neill, making life hell for him uh, between any time that Duke was able to actually get shots that Enderman was just gobbling them up, um, you know, and then I think another big thing that really hurt Duke's offense in this game, aside from the third quarter, um, you know, it was a physical game, but then you get the, the two two minute penalties. Uh, so we get the Kenny Brower hit on, on, uh, on Chris Cavanaugh, which, Holy fuck, what a hit. If if I were a Notre Dame fan, if I were a Notre Dame, like I'd be screaming for him to get ejected. I thought it was, I thought like as far as someone who would like to see the sport of lacrosse kind of just keep getting talked about and, and get people interested, they think it was a, a good hit for the sport. Um, yeah. I, so, I, I'm happy you came against a Kavanaugh because anybody else that's against – Anybody else is dead. Anybody else is dead, but it's a Kavanaugh and Kavanaugh's don't give a shit. Uh, You know, Chris Kavanaugh might not know what day it is, but it doesn't matter because he's still going to get his. Um, But I I think, though, you know, you had two of those. And, you know, uh, Notre Dame, they weren't able to score on the two minute non-releasable man up from the Kenny Brower hit. But either way, that's two minutes that the ball's not in Brennan O'Neill's stick. It's two minutes that Andrew McAdory isn't getting himself involved with this offense, but he really wasn't involved much at all this entire weekend. He was held zero goals this entire weekend and just two assists, one in each game. Um, You know, so I think it was a physical game, but having, you know, those big four minutes of penalties 
just never really let Duke's offense get into any sort of rhythm aside from, you know, when they were starting to figure it out in that third quarter. Too many meatheads. Duke had too many meatheads. That's like the, the, the first thing I thought of. It seemed like, like I, I used to have to take people playing too hard. Duke was hitting kids, guys too much. And I don't know if you saw it because did you Patty Cav actually laid out Wilson Stevenson? Uh, the little man ball situation. I want it was it was it was in the first half, but yeah. yeah. So I mean, Wilson Stevenson going up on a ground ball against Pat Cav and Chris Cav. Yep, yep. You're gonna lose. You're gonna lose that battle. Eleven times out of ten, Pat Cav lays the body. Chris Cav picks up the ground ball. I mean, that's just that's a youth coach's fucking wet dream right there. Yeah, I, I want to know if if they said man ball, that that would be that that would be the key right there. Because I feel like if he said man, that gave him a little like extra like strength, like plus fifty. So maybe that set him over the edge a little bit. But um, yeah, that was one of those physical across games uh, I've ever I've ever watched. Will Helm also played very good, in my opinion. Um, I thought Will Lynch at the face-off X. For, this was a classic. I mean, people were talking – this was classic. I, people need to know about the, the storyline, Chaminade St. Anthony's, because Duke had a lot of St. Anthony's guys in, the, in those two grades. Chaminade had a lot of the uh, – sorry, Notre Dame had a lot of the Chaminade guys. Liam Entman might own Brendan O'Neill for good. Like, might have to just call him daddy. And I don't think – I don't know how many goalies out there can say that, like, I, I'm Brendan O'Neill's daddy. And, he, again, th- not in the sense that, like, oh, Brendan O'Neill probably scored on him hundreds of times or whatnot. But when it comes to who wins and who loses, I, I mean, I, I, w- I would like to see their head-to-head career record because I feel like over the past couple of years when they have matched up each other with each other, um, I, I have said, like, that Liam Mentzman wins this matchup. And I feel like I've been pretty consistently right on that. So... I think when it when it comes time for both of these guys to make the jump to the PLL, we're gonna need to m- make sure that they're on different teams. Yeah, yeah. They can, yeah. They, can, they, can they can play together for Team USA at the Worlds all that they want. Uh, but when it comes to the summer, get them on different teams because the world deserves to watch that matchup thirteen times a summer. I also uh, went, I just wanted to go back to something you said about Chris Fake. Yeah, you could be right and wrong in this situation. Like, yes, like I, I was very conflicted with Chris Fake too because. How Shelly, like, it's just, we we figured out, Chris Fake also had, like, the his freshman year, he's talked about as the best best defender in the country, which I think you could, I'm not going to, like, hate that argument if he made his best defender in the country over the fast, past, last five years, but I think that he kind of got exposed, like, he's not as good against quicker defenders. Like, he, how, how would he do against a Pat Cavanaugh type? We know what he can do against Bulldodgers like Brendan O'Neill, so, like, I, I think that anyone that gives you shit for that, like, you weren't the, the film was out there on who what type of player he was good against and what type he wasn't good against. So um he, he played exceptionally well uh today against Brennan, kinda owned him in the first matchup too. So uh yeah, I mean it was it was a great game. Yeah, um, I mean, I'll I'll tell you what the thank God though for that third quarter, um, for Duke making this one a little interesting because you know, you, you did mention like what was this one of the best championship weekends ever? I, I would say yes. But we saw if, if anyone watched the D2 and D3 games, um, you know, if you watch the D2 game, you saw, I, I think it was a 6 1 final, or no, maybe it might have been a 6 0 final at the end of the first quarter in both the D2 and D3 games. Right. Um, and the fact that this game was a 6 1 
going into the first half. Like those were games where, you know, and then the D three game Tufts kind of came back a little bit to make it a little bit interesting. Um, but the D two game was just an absolute fucking shit kicking from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And That's anyone right. and uh, yeah. And anyone who kind of watched those games and then watched this one, you kind of had this like this little pit in your stomach. Like, Oh my God. Like was you know, Saturday was so electric. Saturday was such an incredible day of lacrosse with back-to-back overtime games in the semifinals like did we waste our entire nut on Saturday and were we going to get three dick kickings from then on? Um, so thank God though, for that third quarter from Duke. So I, you know, they, they get, they, they win that quarter six, three, um, you know, and things were really starting to click for Duke there. Like they were starting to win the ground ball battle and not to sound like every single youth coach in America, but you look at the way that this game was going uh, Notre Dame, Shit kicked Duke in ground balls in the first half, 6-1 going into halftime. Uh, and then Notre Dame came out – or not Notre Dame, Duke came out, started getting more of those loose balls, and all of a sudden the game started to flip a little bit. So, um, you know, things were going for them. But, yeah, a little little too late, a little too little, a little too late. And, uh, you know, like you said, those last four minutes of the game, Notre Dame really came alive. Uh, great juice goal from Quinn McCann uh to to kind of really start that run and and not so not the um not the the half field one that now the half field goal was sick against the against a 10 man ride nice little 60 yard bar down hey how are you uh sick goal out of philly guy quinn quinn mccann what's up when he split the defense yeah yeah Yeah, so yeah yeah. when he he comes down splits the d uh gets into and then you know that goal and then you know the celebration just swinging a stick like a wild man to fire up that bench uh that's when you you could tell all right like notre dame's got their juice back and now they're gonna kind of keep their foot in the gas here to finish this one out confession i love quinn mccann i love his game i wanted danowski just to like like desperation like stick check i was looking for it i was like (laughs) i like this is why we kind of need tillman like i need someone to be the asshole right now that's like yeah, we like you guys are probably gonna win, but like, let me check a stick to see if I can just do something very greasy right now. Um, Spe- speaking of Tillman, I saw a lot of, I saw a lot of people pointing out uh, the fact that Duke, uh, a couple couple photos of Duke like walking out onto the field, pretty much like 50-50 on what gloves the guys were wearing. Some of them were wearing all blue, some of them were wearing whites. Uh, uh, so so Tillman was punching air and his iPad. Yeah, yeah, the rule, the rules committee, like, like his wife's just like, John, why aren't you touching your food? Like, it's okay. Like, it's the one weekend we had earning championship. We, John Tillman, like on Memorial Day weekend, I would love to know what he was doing. He probably didn't know what to do. This sat in sat in a corner, looked at the wall, didn't blink once. Just, just looking at the two glove colors. Um, but yeah, uh, just a great, great game overall. Uh, I, I don't really know. I will, I will say this when we. Just Kevin Corrigan, and obviously this Notre Dame program. Like I'm glad that he got over the hump. Seems like a great guy. Uh, he he's got great style. My he just looks like he's wearing a fishing shirt. Um, that that like little like shirt that he wears. I love that. Um, but yeah, happy he got over the hump. New blood to blue blood. Um, I mean they they, they return a lot next year too. I'm sure they're gonna go into the portal, grab some more. So uh, Notre Dame's gonna be gonna be back, and they're gonna be scary. Um, Will Lynch winner fighter and I, and I said this on Twitter but uh 2014 you had you had one Kavanaugh and he was like wow that, that, like I had a Kavanaugh lead me to the championship what what do I need to get me a championship he's like oh I have to go out and get two Kavanaugh's crazy 
crazy nobody else in the country even considered grabbing both of them. Um, but two Cavanaugh's a one-year championship, so hats off to Notre Dame and uh, Coach Corrigan. Yeah, couldn't, couldn't say much better than that. Um, yeah, incredible to watch the whole Cavanaugh scene. Uh, you know, you saw, obviously, throughout the whole season, like, you know, videos just popping up, mostly like the through X um, of, you know, just talking about how much it, it means to these guys to be able to get it done, uh, not just for this 2023 team, but for, you know, the, the brothers that have come through the program before, for everyone else who come through the program before. Um, yeah, really cool to see them, you know, immediately after the game wrapped up. Uh, you know, you see Chris Cavanaugh running over into the stands, jumping up into the crowd uh, and, and getting involved with his family. I, I would imagine that if Pat Cavanaugh had two functioning legs, he would have also jumped up into the crowd and done the same. Uh, you know, basically been playing the entire last month of the season on just one functioning leg, um, you know, just kind of goes to show how tough these motherfuckers are, um, how much it means to them, how much it means to the whole program. Real happy for friend of the program, Nick Asello. He, he seemed to be really enjoying himself on Twitter. Real happy for a friend of the program, Ryder Garnsey. Um, yeah. You know, great, great to see him and, and just like how much it means to him to be able to get it done. So, yeah, really cool story for Notre Dame getting it done for the first time. Uh, let's, listen, this Duke team, they're a wagon, studs all over the place. Uh, you know, w- would have been happy for a lot of those guys, too. But, you know, to see a program get over the hump uh, and, and just, you know, you, you get that you see how much it means to. You, you log on to Twitter and just, you know, you see how much it means to alumni and shit like that. So really cool moment for them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Just like, like the natural progression and just do kind of owning Notre Dame in the tournament. Um, Notre Dame ha- having that comeback against Duke in 2014, not being able to get it done. Um, it, it is, it is really cool. And it has even like, I'm not so sure logistics wise, I didn't really fit, figure all this out, but the fact that some of the Notre Dame alumni that are still in the PLL were able to be there for it, uh, I thought it was pretty cool by the league. I mean, I'm, they're grown men, but like the fact that they were, let them leave training camp to go watch the game uh, w- w- was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I saw uh, what you, you had Glazer there, obviously Matt Cav there. Um, the PLL I mean, let Ryder coach the game, which is nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really good move by the PLL there. Um, I'm trying to think there. Oh, you know what? So we, we asked about, you know, what do you think that John Tillman was doing this entire weekend? Do you think that Donna watched this game? When I say when, like, when I say Donna was like, like I saw a Salo say like, Oh, that was a good momentum goal. Like, because like, if that didn't count or something, like I was going to throw beer at like the TV. Donna was probably throwing fists through the TV. And how she's much throwing, she's, she's throwing about? like Pinot Grigio through the TV. Yeah, yeah. There's a bottle of Chris and sell it. Like <laughs> Margarita just like she's just getting smashed like a fraternity basement just with glass all over. I think that Donna was and I don't know, you, you probably didn't hear the broadcast. There's a couple notes in the broadcast, by the way. One, during the broadcast, they were like the Kavanaugh's like, Oh, did you guys have the bracket up from last year to that motivate you? He's like, Oh yeah, for our team it motivated us. I know Duke didn't want to talk about it, but like we like to talk about it. I like that was badass. Two, people were shitting on Quinn because I was watching the game because I had to drive it home from Newport. So I was watching on my phone and I, I t- turned on the broadcast a little bit, turned it off. But Quinn was saying some stuff like, Antonin's guessing right now, Helmson. I'm like, 
what are you are you watching the same game? Like it took him to like the third, third or fourth quarter when they were talking about how historic Entman's performance was for him to finally be like, oh, he's been almost flawless today. It was so bizarre the shit that he was saying. I had people texting me being like, this is a great game. Like I've never like considered like I've watched the cross before and I don't like it, but this game is making me like it. And they were like, but what's up with the broadcasters? They're like, why are they talking about everyone, everybody's families? Like, why are they like, like, it was just like, overall, it's crazy how much they botched the broadcast. And they didn't even like mention the Chris Kavanaugh hit. Like, they weren't even trying to say like, oh, wow, like that's a, like potentially a dirty hit or like anything. They were just like, oh, yep, that was a play. Like, uh, it was just overall bizarre. Not trying to shit on it too much, but like when you have people texting me being like, what's going on with the broadcast? That's when you kind of know like something's, it's not your A game. Yeah. So I, I didn't get a chance to watch the broadcast, obviously, you know, being a big J in the, in the press box and eating a, a shit ton of press box cookies. Um, the, the one thing I will say is like for, for me, like Entman and I, I mentioned this kind of a little bit on Twitter, but like, he just like looks so like he, he doesn't look great. Right. It, it just like his, his whole look, the, the sweatpants, the everything, like something about it always looks a little goofy to the point where you might, I, I don't know, like maybe, maybe it just like, doesn't look as like fluid as, you know, maybe it looks to Quint. Like he's just like, kind of like floundering around and, and making these like wild guessing saves just because he like, doesn't like look the part, like he's not like in this like crazy stance where it looks like he's on top of everything. Like that's the only thing that I, but I did say that Liam Mentiman had such an incredible performance that I'm now uh, I've reevaluated my stance on goalies wearing sweatpants. And I'm now I'm, I'm very much in on it. I, I, I was, I was never, and I don't want to, I don't want to get too into this because it was a whole big ordeal before I was never totally anti sweatpants on goalies. I just didn't like the sweatpant versus sweatpant matchup. I always thought just one of them has to be in sweats. Uh, but after watching what Liam Mentiman did uh, in this game on Monday, I have a feeling that pretty much every youth goalie from here on out is going to be wearing sweatpants, wanting to be the next Liam Entman. So I'm going to imagine that there is just going to be a tsunami of sweatpants wearers in cage this summer. So I'm all in on it because if, if, if I'm out on it, then it's, it's going to be a long decade for me. Every goalie should wear sweatpants. Uh, it, it probably it, it, it like will give you more saves. I, I truly believe that. Um, and Dylan Ward wears them. Entman wears them. And in my opinion, we're talking right there. Right now, in this current May 29th, 2023, Liam Entman is a top three goalie in the world. College, PLL, Worlds, doesn't matter. He's a top three goalie right now. Can I just say something, though, about how every goalie should wear them? One, I agree with your assessment on that. I think that Entman is, is probably right there. I guess it goes what Blaze, Dylan Ward, and then Entman, and then I'd say Burnlore or Cannon. Yeah, I mean that's that sounds like a good. The only reason I put him above Burnlore is just because Burnlore's one down age and one down year he had, so like that might be a little bit recent surprise. Burnlore stud, so like, I, and I lo- love that guy. He's the man, the man. but like Cannon, the only reason I have him above Cannon is because I think Entman's better from outside. I think inside they're equally as good. Yeah. Um, now my only stance that I will keep on goalies not wearing sweatpants, I don't think if you are a team that 10 man rides, I don't think that you can have a goalie that wears sweatpants. 
you can't you can't have the sweatpant guy out of the cage running around Go like home. that. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's what yeah. I'm saying. I I agree that that image will be in my head forever. He had a six eight, but yeah, that's uh, what a weekend. I'm going up to Albany on like Thursday for training camp, so like we're right back in it. Like I said, you gotta play your best ball in May, Jordy. Notre Dame played their best ball in May. They played phenomenal in May, and they were rewarded for it with a national championship. So first time in program history. Uh, once again, congrats to Notre Dame. Absolute wagoon. Um, all right, you're heading up to Albany for training camp. You got people. I, I did get some people uh, asking about uh, you know how, how you're doing while I was at all the games. They want to know if you're going to bring a scooter with you to Albany. Um, they want to see you ride the scooter down the hill at Albany. And then oh. also, and then also, before you answer that, um, I did get a couple people who wanted to know if you were able to work. You got to play your best ball in May into the wedding at any point. So, answer to both. I didn't work in. We got to play your best ball in May in the uh, in the speech, but I played my my best ball in May. I I, I crushed it. Um, and I'd say, I'd probably say one of my best performances is uh, anybody that knows me knows that. I'm a, I'm a lax guy. Um, we didn't we didn't become a top 100 lacrosse podcast by not watching Final Fours. And uh, let's just say that I, I made it a point to everybody that I had to watch these two games. And later on the night when I reconvened and everybody knew I watched both games, I asked who won. <laughs> who did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, is Notre Dame? Did they win? They're like, you like freaked out about them winning. And I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> you, you, had a, you had a lot going on that day between that. No, but I, I just thought it was very funny. Like my sister was like, you were like annoying to the fact that like, you're like, I have to watch these games. And it was just like, all right, dude, just like go in the corner and watch the game. And, like put on the TV for me. And then like after the games, I guess I went home, woke up from a nap, met up with everyone. And I was like, does anyone know who won those games, by the way? You're like, dude, you're an asshole all day about the games. <laughs> Just, just dude, just, just dudes yourself. Yeah. Um, all right. And then the scooter, are you going to be crushing scooter. around? Uh, yeah. I'm going to bring both because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a five tool player. So I'm going to, I'm going to test both out, but uh, yeah, I, I think that I'm going to try to see, I'm also going to, I'm going to call the Amtrak to see what's going to be easiest for me to travel on with one. But uh, yeah, I'm hoping scooter because I think I can do more content with the scooter. Love that. Um, all right. Yeah. So we're, we're going to be rolling this right into the PLL season. So we're not going to be going anywhere. Um, I do want to quickly though, thank everyone for following along for the entire college season. Uh, it was a great year of college lacks real fun doing all this, but uh, you know, I think going into the PLL season is, is where it gets, you know, even more fun to do these podcasts. Uh, you know, some fewer teams that we have to talk about so we can get more into all of the games. Uh, we right. can cover everything instead of, you know, just covering ACC, Big Ten, and Ivy League lacrosse, if we're being totally gambling. honest. Like, yeah, we, we can talk gambling. Um, also, way easier to, you know, we'll be able to get guests over the summer, some PLL guys. It's, it's just such a pain in the ass to deal with these college kids. And then you got to go through the SIDS and you got to figure out, you know, who's actually allowed to come on and say what. Uh, so, yeah, I mean – Got a big summer coming up here, so make sure that you guys aren't going anywhere. Make sure that you continue to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at the Crease Dive on both. Make sure you guys are subscribed. Let's let's ramp up those subscription numbers on YouTube before the PLL season gets going. Uh, follow us on TikTok at Stool Crease Dive. 
Uh, Dukes, any, any more closing remarks before we cap off this 2023 college lacrosse season? Um, and then once again, congrats also to Lenore Ryan, to Salisbury, to the Northwestern girls. Uh, big big championship weekend all, all over the board. Yeah, thank you for following along uh, all college lacrosse season. Um, for everybody that like is only only college fans, get, give the pros a shot. It, it's, it's very fun seeing these guys in the PLL and – Again, me and Jordy have talked about it, but I'm more of a PLL guy at this point. Um, I, I, I like the speed of the game. Uh, the, the talent level is the next level. It's like it, it's very in, incomparable to college. So uh, tune in this weekend in Albany. Uh, I'll be there. So come say hi. I'll be scooting around with Billy. Uh, or, no, not with Billy. He won't be there. But uh, I'll be at the beer garden. So uh, just come say hi. Thanks for checking out. And uh, God, country, Notre Dame lacrosse. And in the meantime, we'll be keeping it low to high until the day we die. We out.